Welcome to the Friendship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Binnick, and today we're gonna be talking about all things fitness, wellness, and mindset so that you can be the best version of yourself for everybody and your family and life that loves you and needs you. All right, guys, what is going on today? We are back in the health section and we're gonna be talking about exercise for our first time. Now, if we path back to kind of what we've already talked about, we have talked about the most important lifestyle factors. We obviously set the mindset, how we wanna think about exercise, you know, setting up our long-term goals and values and all those things, uh, kind of who we wanna be and why we wanna exercise, what kind of freedom that grants us. Then we talked about nutrition, what to eat, and how we interact with our food. And then we talked about how much to eat, when to eat and sleep, and all of those things. Then we talked about hydration and sleep in the last episode. So now where we are, if we are following along our hierarchy of importance is we are aligned in our life for maximizing our own performance. So our own human performance, maximizing exercise and Without those things aligned, without a proper nutrition plan, without a proper sleep, hydration, stress plan, without the right mindset going into it, exercise, in my opinion, is not worth doing. And, you know, I've been doing this a long time. When I first started uh, training people on exercise, I was 24, 25, and I would have told you, you know, exercise is incredibly important and exercise is maybe the most important thing and exercise sets the tone for everything else and it's kind of the, the great motivator and everything else hinges around it. And I've really done a full 180 on that. I do not believe that anymore. Uh, in actuality, I've seen so many people that are really honestly pretty consistent with exercise, but really don't make any improvements because they're not going to do the things that we're talking about today. And they didn't do the things that we talked about before this. So their lifestyle is not aligned for them to maximize their performance inside of the gym when they do exercise. They don't have the right mindset towards exercise in the first place. They're not eating, sleeping, uh, drinking, and all of those things aligned with what they want in terms of their goals. And so they just kind of tread water for an extended period of time. And honestly, it's a lot of time to spend if you're just going to be treading water. And so the big thing that I've found with exercise is you really want to find spurts of big energy. You really want to make sure that when you are aligned with these things, when you can dial them in and you can be consistent, you can eat healthy, you want to absolutely come in and maximize your performance and your exercise because you don't know when life is going to come in and throw you a curveball. You don't know when your mom or dad are going to get sick and you're going to have to take, you know, two or three weeks or months off the gym. You don't know when you're going to have to travel or you know leave town for a while. You don't know what is coming up in the future that is going to throw a wrench in your normal schedule, in your normal life. And normalcy as you know it might just be gone tomorrow and never return. And so while today is here and we have things under our control where we can start to eat healthy, where we can focus on getting to sleep on time and some of these things, you absolutely have to double down on those times because we know it is certainty, it is absolute fact that in the future, your life will not be as aligned as it might be right now. So with those things aligned and with these things in mind, let's start talking about exercise. And so we're going to talk about a lot of things. This really will consume the next three to four episodes in the health uh, category is exercise. And so the most important thing we're thinking about the mindset of exercise is consistency. 
And really, in my opinion, nothing else matters. You know, I've uh, achieved quite a bit in terms of fitness, in terms of just like, you know, if you're talking about top end goals, you're talking about, you know, whatever, whatever end you want to kind of talk about from a physical performance. And uh, I've, I've had a pretty solid career with exercise. But the only thing that I would tell you is the only reason that I've achieved anything is because I show up consistently. And when I feel good, I put in a good amount of work. When I feel moderate, I put in a moderate amount of work. And when I don't feel good, I put in light work or little work. And and I don't try to complicate things too far beyond that. In my head, I use a light system. And so I have green for go. I have yellow for cautious, moderate, you know, just kind of taking it as it feels today. Not going to go too hard. Want to see, you know, how this feels. Want to see how it goes. That's sort of my language on those days. And then I have red light days where it's I'm going to scale everything probably just to body weight. I'm going to focus more on, you know, just staying inside a good form and letting the blood flow go throughout my body and maybe prioritize a little bit more recovery. So red light, yellow light, green light days is how I kind of think about it on a day to day and week to week basis. And obviously, so if I have mostly green light days, then I had a green light week. If I had mostly yellow light days, I had a yellow light week. If I have mostly red days, you have a red light, red light week. And I've had extended periods of time of both. Now, when we start to think about clients and I start to think about the people that I've coached, the people who are the most impressive to me and the people who really stand out in terms of consistency and development are people who never tried to achieve too much in a one month or a two month or a three month period. But over a 10 year or an eight year or a five year period, they accomplish a lot. And so it's a really cool thing for me when you see somebody join the gym and they're 37, 38, they maybe have some teenagers, you know, 10 or 12 year old kids, and they're kind of getting into that life where they're, they want to be healthy, right? They're not necessarily super focused on like, you know, one rep maxing their snatch or their clean anymore. And they're a little bit more focused on, you know, feeling good, looking good and being healthy. And then you see them, you know, seven or eight years later, they're 45, they're 46, their kids are now going off to college and they get a little bit more time freedom back in their life. And they're usually at a little bit more of a comfortable financial spot. And so they have a little bit more wiggle room. And when those people look better and they feel better and they're performing better or maybe even as good as they were when they were in their late 30s. And now they get this freedom back to start to travel and start to hike and start to surf and start to pick up and play new sports and start to do some of these things with their time and with their hard-earned money and their career status and some of those things. It is really cool to watch. But I've also seen the opposite. I've seen a lot of people come in at 37, 38, 41, 42, 44, and they focus so hardcore on wanting to lose a ton of weight really fast or get incredibly strong so much that they just go too heavy too fast and they never learn good form or they don't listen to the coaching staff. And they kind of have this on again, off again history with injury or on again, off again history with nutrition or on again, off again history with coming in consistently and they just never really make any gains. And then they end up flaring out and they end up quitting and you maybe see them you know, down the road and they maybe put on some weight, they don't look super healthy they never really accomplished the goals that they set out to accomplish. And I look at that as a failure on my end and a failure of us as a staff to not communicate effectively, not allow them to trust us, to help uh, listen to us and accomplish our goals. And so we always are constantly thinking about how we can improve in that end. But if we change our goal to a consistency goal, 
to show up on a set schedule. We work out five days a week or we work out, I work out six days a week. No matter what, some days are gonna be green light, some days are gonna be red light, but I show up. And that's not even necessarily always in the gym. I take two days a week where I work out and I just work out outside of the gym. And same thing, you just, it's some days it's green light, sometimes it's red light. But you show up, you put in the work, and you do it consistently over time. And everything else that we're gonna talk about from here forward with exercise, all of the performance stuff, all of these, all of the cool nitty gritty science and data and all these performance tracking devices and all this stuff, none of it, absolutely none of it matters compared to showing up consistently over time. And the hard part for people when it comes to exercise is things happen in time periods of quarters or years. They don't happen on the timeline that people want them to happen on. They don't happen. It's not just given to you in a matter of weeks. And whatever is given to you in a matter of weeks can also be taken away from you usually in a matter of days or in a matter of weeks. And when you've earned something in consistency over years and years and years, well, it also takes years and years and years to unravel. And so every day that you keep showing up and every month that goes by that you keep showing up and every quarter that goes by that you keep showing up and every year that goes by that you keep showing up, well, that's just more and more time, more and more hedge against ever being unfit ever again. So that's always what I want for people. It's really hard to get that across sometimes in a performance-driven culture where we want to wait on the scale, where we want to hit our first pull-up or our first handstand, or we really want to hit a one rep max back squat. And when you start doing it long enough, you really start to realize that those things are really cool short-term focuses, but they really don't matter in the long-term scheme of things. Because eventually we all hit a peak. We all hit this upper spot and everything works downhill from there. And then it's just a question of slowing that downhill trajectory as much as we can, right? And so if you think about right now, you might be listening to this and you might be on an ascension. You might be still getting better. You might be still getting stronger. You might still have room to go in terms of improving your body fat percentage and your blood tests and your mile. And there's always something where maybe you can just keep that trajectory going upwards. But at a point, there's always a crest. And then we always start going downhill. And what I see with people is if you have like a very sharp uphill, a very sharp ascension where you get really good really fast, well, then we also see a lot of really quick descensions. So we see them fall off that cliff pretty hard. But if you've just slowly gotten a little bit more fit over a 25-year span and your crest is like more like a plateau for a couple of years, it's a flat line, and then maybe slowly, you know, a half a percent a year, you just slowly maybe start to get a little bit more conservative with your weights. Maybe you get to get a little bit weaker. You lose a little bit of muscle mass, but it's only like maybe a half a pound a year every year for maybe, you know, the years of ages 50 to 70. And when you look at that trajectory, it's so much more appealing. And what your real fitness level is, is the shaded area underneath that graph, right? How much surface area did I have underneath that is how fit you are. And I'll try to attach a picture of what I'm talking about in uh, the show notes so you guys can see. I'm not sure if you can do pictures in show notes, so we'll, we'll test that theory today. Uh, but 
the point is what we're trying to achieve is the maximum total value of our fitness with all things included over the longest period of time with the least amount of drop off physically possible. And so when we start thinking about how, how do we achieve that, right? Like Jeff, you might be saying like, yeah, Jeff, okay, yeah, whatever. That's cool. But man, I really want to pee on my clean right now. It's like, okay, how do we achieve the consistency? How do we ensure that your clean will be better two or three years from now, or your front squat will be better, your mile run will be better? How do we ensure those things two years from now, three years from now, four years from now? The first and the most important thing is how do you move? And I've done about, I don't know, 1,000, 500, 2,000, 10,000 introductory sessions now where we take people through and I get to watch your air squat and I get to watch your lunge and I get to watch your push up and I get to watch all of your, your basic movement patterns. And I get to see how do your elbows and shoulders work when you do a push up and how do your knees and hips react when we do a squat and a lunge? And how well can we stabilize ourselves holding from a pull-up bar? Can we do a handstand? How well do we stabilize in a handstand? Where is our body's movement patterns at? And just even in the last 15 years of doing this, I can tell you that people's general movement quality is getting worse. What we're doing with our kids, whatever we're doing in our society, our work-life situation, generally, I would tell you that the people that tend to come in now move worse typically than the people who came in 15 years ago. And this was true very much when I was in the military and you would talk to drill sergeants that were, had been around, you know, being a drill sergeant for 10 or 15 years. And I'm a new drill sergeant and they're talking to me and they're like privates today. They just come in and they, they just, they don't move well. They're real like Gumby. They, they're not stable, right? They're very floaty and their knees and hips are not quite as stable. So there's a lot more injury. There's a lot more knee problems. There's a lot more back problems a lot more obesity problems. And so these things come in and they reflect themselves in poor movement quality. So we might have a weak core. We might have unstable hips. We might have bad feet, which is leading to a collapsing arch, which is leading to our knees coming in a little bit, which leads to knee problems and hip problems and back problems. And you can see this when people are walking around. If you watch them, if they're walking around with flip-flops, this is where I see this the most, is you can actively see, if you look at their feet from behind or in front, their knee is actually to the inside of their body of where their like middle toe is, right? If you're standing barefoot, your kneecap should basically be in line with the middle, your middle two toes or middle two or three toes. And what you'll see for people now, a lot of times, is their knees collapse and fall and fade inwards. This has been a growing trend. And a lot of this is due to too much sitting. A lot of it honestly is just due to weakness in our hips. Like we're not squatting like we should. We're not lunging like we should. We're not moving the way that humans are supposed to. And so our bodies have not learned to stabilize in these very functional, very normal human movement patterns that they should be able to stabilize in. And so when we start thinking about that, from an exercise phys standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, the first and most important thing is to start to dial in and work on these movement patterns. So those three basic ones I gave you, if we add in a pull-up, so we say a pull-up, a push-up, a squat, and a lunge, if we say those four things right there, you should feel very confident in doing every single one of those perfectly before you worry at all about 
almost anything else before you worry at all about weight loss or um, strength or, you know, weights lifted or mile tests or pull-ups given or whatever it is, you should be focused way more on how you achieve those movements and ensuring that you can get into a full range of motion squat, a full range of motion lunge, a full range of motion push-up with your full body weight and a full range of motion pull-up with your full body weight. And until we have those things, we're not necessarily going to be well-rounded and strong enough inside of each of our joints and our systems to really worry too much about performance levels moving upwards. So these are our fundamentals. They are fundamental movements. There are obviously a couple of other ones that we can think about. We can start to add in some weightlifting movements. We can think about something simple like a deadlift. Very important. Again, most people are not able to hinge at their hips properly. We see a lot of people actually flexing their lower spine when they bend over to grab something and having an actual extension and compression in the discs in their back rather than being able to hinge properly using your hips and pelvis the right way with a stable spine position or a more stable spine position when you're going to pick up a load off the ground. So these things are the most important things because if you don't have good high quality movement patterns, if you don't have the mobility and stability in those joints, if we go back to what we said our original goal is, which is consistency, if you don't have those movements down pat, you are on a one-way street to not being able to do those movement patterns anymore, to have you know, on the low end tendonitis, inflammation, pain in those joints. And that's going to be a setback from a performance perspective that might pull you out of the gym a couple of days that might hurt your consistency. It shouldn't because we should understand our red light, yellow light, green light days, right? We should still be able to come in and work through those things and figure out how to. That's important. But the most important thing at first is to make sure that those movements are really dialed in and we're actively working on them. And this is the hardest thing when we start thinking about like what if, you know, if you were to ask me, Jeff, what are your biggest challenges as a coach? It's like getting somebody to understand that if you can't air squat, you need to be spending time like working on that at home. Like you need to be spending time working on sitting in an air squat every day. That needs to be a huge priority for you. And it's really hard to focus on getting people to actually prioritize that. Because it's not sexy, right? It's pretty uncomfortable. If you have a bad squat, it's pretty uncomfortable to spend time in a squat and work on that hip mobility. But if you're already at a position where you're tight and you're immobile and you're not stable in a squat, well, then all you have in front of you is a lifetime of knee, hip, and back problems. And that's not going to get better. Every day that goes by that you sit more than you squat and you don't work on it, is going to be one day closer to that knee, hip, and back problem being completely debilitating to where you're not going to be able to do tasks that you want to do, whether it be something like work or hike or surf or play on the beach with your kids or whatever. You're one day closer to not being able to do that thing because of so much pain and inflammation, or you're one day closer to surgery, you're one day closer to something really life-changing and altering that is not fun, right? Or a hip replacement or a knee replacement. You're one day closer to those things every day that you don't work on it. But because our culture has set out the goal of exercise to be things that it's not, they set out the goal of exercise to be losing weight or looking a certain way or even feeling a certain way or lifting a certain weight or running a certain speed or distance. They, they set the goal out already to fail people. 
where if the goal was just show up every day and move really well, if that was like the only goal, and then you understood that the other stuff we talked about, eating well and sleeping and hydrating, was the stuff that makes you look good. If you just did those things consistently over time, you would look and feel amazing. And so again, it's a mindset issue, right? Our mindsets typically are in our society are going to the wrong place when we think of exercise. And so if you think of exercise as I want to move really well, I want my body to be able to perform all major movements super efficiently and really effectively. I want to look good when I move. I want to look like a gymnast. Like I want to look graceful and strong. I want to be powerful and mobile. If we think about our body more in that way, hopefully that helps you guys set your mindset a little bit when you come into the gym and how you're spending your time at home. And so that's our first most important thing. If we think about how do we achieve consistency inside of the gym, we have to work on our movement and that has to be a priority every day. Moving is the most important thing. And so the biggest thing that I use to tell is if you take your warm up seriously and you really try to come in and move well every day and I see you coming in like you're sitting in a squat, you're doing some thoracic openers, you're, you're working on that position a little bit during warm up time. To me, that shows that you're taking your movement seriously. If you kind of lay around or you stand around, you don't do anything, you're not really focused on the warm up or you skip the warm ups, you show up late and you're not super concerned with getting warmed up properly, then that shows me that you're not really taking movement seriously and you're probably on a one way street towards some sort of a movement issue, right? Whether that be pain, inflammation, injury, uh, or just lack of performance. So you're not going to get better the way that you want to get better. So take your movement warmups very seriously. Take your cooldowns seriously. That's actively going to be the most important part of every day is getting primed to move well. So you have the best opportunity to get your body moving in the right ranges of motion. And then you from there you can build, right? And so once you can do a perfect air squat and a perfect air lunge and a perfect body weight push up and a perfect body weight pull up, well, now we can start to look at moving into the next piece, which is varying your intensity. And so we do this lots of ways. You guys who have been in the gym are familiar with this. You can vary your intensity a couple of different ways. And really it's speed, load, and range of motion. And and then you can also talk about volume too, right? So speed is an obvious one, right? If I do more air squats faster, that's going to make me more fatigued than if I do less slower. So if I say, hey, you have one minute, you have to do 40 air squats, that's gonna feel a certain way. As opposed to if I say, hey, you have one minute, do five air squats, that's going to be a very different intensity and thus going to be a different stimulus. Same thing with load. If I say you're going to do those five air squats in a minute, you're going to do with 10 pounds. Okay. Not too hard. I say you're going to do it with 210 pounds. Okay. That's a little harder. Now I say you're going to do it with 410 pounds. You're like, okay, now I can't even do that. Right? So that's our load. Then we can say range of motion, right? So we can limit your range of motion in a squat or a pull-up. So we might say something like uh, you're going to do squat pulses. You're going to do quarter squat pulses or one and a quarter squats. Um, you know, you might do like a clean pull or a, a first pull, which is just a quarter of a deadlift, basically. Uh, so we can limit up the range of motion. We can make it longer or shorter as desired. That's one way to vary intensity. Then our last one is our total volume. So how many sets, how many reps at how much weight we totally do. And so how this plays in with consistency and what you guys kind of get with the program, if somebody's programming for you, if you guys come to the gym, we're programming for you, is we vary the intensity as you're going throughout cycles or weeks. And so some weeks are going to be uh, maybe less weight and more reps and some, weight, some weeks are going to be more weight and less reps. And that's going to affect different people differently. But that intensity and varying that allows you to play in with your red light, yellow light and green light days.
And so let's say we're having a red light day and it is a high load, low volume day. So we're not going to have a lot of reps, but we are going to have a lot of weight and you're on a red light day. Well, that's a pretty easy day then to say, okay, the intensity of this workout is the weight. And so if I just take the weight down, if I decrease the load today, then I decrease the really stressful stimulus or I decrease the intensity of this workout and I can still go through the workout. I can still do it even though it's a red flag day for me. So let's take today's workout as a good example. Okay. We're doing 200 meter runs and then we're doing building squat clean. So this, the squat clean weight is going to increase. So today's challenge is going to be a load challenge, right? That's how this workout is going to be hard is the load should be the intensity. Okay, it's not very high rep, so it's not going to be a volume. It's not going to be how much we're doing. It's not going to be a speed, right? Because we're focused more on weight. And so when we change that stimulus now, if you come in and your body does not feel good, your joints are hurting, your knee hurts, your back hurts, you're having a little bit of an injury issue and you are having a red light day. Well, you still come into the gym because movement is medicine, right? And that little motion is going to help break some of that soreness up and break some of that pain and issue up. And so we might, instead of doing loaded squat cleans, we might just change it and do air squats. Or we might take the weight, instead of doing 185 pounds for a squat clean today, I might do 75 pounds. And just go through the motions, just move, right? Move with really high intention. Again, go back one step before this, what was it? It was movement, focus on the quality, focus on my mobility, make sure I'm doing things right. And on red light days, those are great days to reel back a little bit and change our focus back to movement rather than intensity. And this is something for me that took a long time and the hard road to figure out. And some of you guys are probably listening to this as veterans are going, yeah, man, I had to learn that one the hard way or I'm still figuring that out. And some of you guys might not even have this still figured out yet. But what you start to learn is that if you focus on intensity over movement, not only are you never going to learn to move well, so that's a huge problem, again, injuries and such, but because you're focused more on hitting the intensity stimulus of the day rather than the movement and the consistency stimulus, you're going to end up burning yourself out because it's a red light day. And you say, well, the, the, you know, the intended stimulus today is to do 185 pound squat cleans. And you're not paying attention to the fact that it's a red light day for you. And so you don't change the intensity and you just try to ram your head through the wall and maybe you're successful today. Maybe you achieve it. But over the long haul, what you just did is you hurt your movement because your joints are going to hurt worse the next day. Your movement's going to suffer because of it. You're not going to end up moving well if it's a red light day and you're going to hurt your consistency over the long haul. Because not only does that stuff lead to burnout, like hardcore burnout, but it leads to physical burnout as well. It'll start to screw with your endorphins. It'll start to screw with all the, all the benefits that we get from exercise. It actually screws with that and will hinder it on a long enough timeline if you do that. So we need to vary our intensity, right? And we vary the intensity of the program, but at the end of the day, it's all individual, right? So there are certain days where you come in and you maybe just got off a long vacation and maybe you were you know, not exercising on vacation. You're taking some time off and maybe you were drinking and eating bad. Well, we need to come back in and assume that's probably going to be a red light day. We're not going to want to jump into some crazy like hero workout that's 45 minutes with a ton of volume and a ton of speed on day one from that. We're going to want to maybe scale it back just a little bit. 
Maybe do just a body weight version. Maybe do a half. Talk with the coach. Communicate. Say, hey, what do you think I should do today? Just got back off vacation. How can I scale this? You know, I, I'm not ready for this. It's a red light day for me. So that's a great way to think about how we can build better consistency throughout our days and weeks. Now, our next one is moving away from intensity, right, is some other ways that we can think about this. We can vary up our movement patterns and our planes of movement. And so we've got really three main planes of movement. And one of the biggest issues with CrossFit in general, if we think about one of the reasons we moved away from sort of CrossFit as uh, as it's defined, is CrossFit has one main plane of movement. The sagittal plane is just straight up and down. Everything you do, it's like, is just straight up and down, straight up and down, straight up and down. So we try to add a lot of things in that are more transverse plane oriented. And we try to change up and honestly, it makes us more athletic in the types and varieties of different movement patterns and different planes of movement that you are exercising and, and implementing inside of our programs. And so when we think about how we vary up those movement patterns, a good example is let's say, and we'll take running as the, the prime offender of this, okay? Well, when we think about running, and this is going to just be a quick side tangent, but it, but it totally exacerbates the whole point here is when you run, typically most people who are running and they're actively working on running, they're not taking time out of their running time and dedicatedly working on form. And so they're not trying to fix their feet patterns or their running patterns. They're not trying to work on their stride length. They're not trying to actively sit and work on their form. They're just pounding the same movement pattern, good or bad, over and over and over and over again. And so they vary the intensity. They might go for more distance or they might go more speed or they might change up the rest intervals or whatever. But so they vary the intensity, but they don't vary the movement pattern at all. And so it's the same repeated movement pattern over and over and over again. Well, that leads to chronic injury because no matter what, if we do the same movement pattern over and over and over and over and over again, then what happens is our body is going to break down and be unable to hold up good form and good mechanics and it will start to have bad mechanics. And so typically for runners, this is going to be their arch starts to collapse. Their knee starts to come inwards a little bit. They start to get iliotibial band syndrome, really bad tightness through the outside of their hip and down into their knees. They might have some actual trauma pain inside of their feet, like a stress fracture or inside of their knees. And their body starts to break down. And that is a sign telling us that we're hitting the same movement pattern and we're building up a chronic injury inside of those joints and inside of those muscles. And a lot of runners aren't necessarily smart enough then to understand that that is the time to pull back, stop running, and change up our movement patterns to fix whatever is ailing you. Wherever your body broke down when it was running, it's time to pull back and change up what we're doing, take time off of running completely, stop, and fix the movement pattern problems that we found when we did a lot of volume. Instead, a lot of runners just try to fix the injury, duct tape it, and continue to run. And so that's why runners not only continue to see consistent injuries, but have huge prevalence of knee surgeries and hip surgeries and major, major problems because they're not necessarily working on fixing the actual movement pattern itself. They just kind of continue to hit that same repeated movement pattern. And this is true with everything. This is true with squats is a huge one that CrossFitters are very, very uh, prone to repeating too many squats. And so when we start thinking about, well, when we do too many squats, and so just think about where do I break down? Let's say I put your body weight on your back and I just told you to start squatting. 
and we just watched where you broke down and i just said squat 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 until you fail well there's three or four main ways that people fail but when you hit that total failure fatigue point i as the coach get to watch and i get to see okay it's your you know your glutes aren't strong enough and so your knees are collapsing completely your abductors are pulling and that's going to cause knee pain it's going to cause hip pain so we have to start working on strengthening up your external rotators and your glutes they need to be stronger for you to achieve a better squat for some people it's mobility for some people it's their core strength or it's their lower back and whatever it is for you that's where then we have to put in exercises that are not squatting and fix those problems. So that's where our glute bridges come in. That's where our step-ups come in. That's where our lunge work comes in. That's where our banded clamshells and abductors and adductor strength come in. That's where all of these other exercises that we do come in to round us out, to fix whatever problem we're experiencing when we're squatting too much. Because if you have a movement pattern flaw, doing the movement pattern where you have the flaw over and over and more and more and more is not going to fix it. You have to do what's called corrective exercises, sometimes called physical therapy. Sometimes physical therapy is different than what people think it is, right? Sometimes the best physical therapy for something, if we're looking at like strengthening something, might be actually like strengthening your upper back a little bit. And so somebody might have a flaw when they're hitting something like a clean or a snatch or a squat clean because their biceps and their upper back aren't strong enough to actually hold the bar in a good position to hit the pocket and make sure that we have good balanced cleans. And so their quote unquote physical therapy might be doing a bunch of like penley rows or strengthening their upper back with a bunch of crock rows and things. And that's what's going to allow them to improve that movement pattern, strengthen their shoulders and upper back, and allow them to stay in a good position. So again, this is a way where you can vary your movement patterns and your planes of movement, change it up a little bit, so that you continue to be a well-rounded athlete, but also so that you don't keep beating that same movement pattern into exhaustion, develop bad habits, and break and beat your body down in that movement pattern. So this is the best example that I can give you in terms of a real-world application of this. When I very, very much first started like lifting weights and started getting into some CrossFit stuff, I had the genius idea of doing Tabata deadlifts at like 315. Now, Graham, I'm like 25 years old. I'm an idiot, right? Just a total moron. Very new to programming for myself and organizing these things. Anyway, 315 was probably like 85 or 90% of my deadlift max. And so I decided I would do a Tabata of this. So as many reps as you can, 20 seconds for four rounds, of course. You guys probably know how the story ends. I hurt my back. Well, shocker, right? Shocker. And so my back was blown up. This is really one of my first real experiences with the back problem. And it lingered. It was pretty bad. And I really couldn't lift anything up off the ground for months on end. And so as I used some of that time to read and research and study a little bit more, I started to research things like, well, how can you strengthen up a deadlift without doing a deadlift? And so I came across, you know, Nordics and glute ham raises, hamstring curls, um, you know, a lot of glute exercises, hip thrusts and single leg glute bridges. Um, and then I started to look at things like crock rows and some of that stuff once I started to feel a little better picking things up off the floor. And so I did a whole six month cycle where I did not deadlift. I did not touch a barbell, period, coming off the ground ever. Not one deadlift. All I did was a bunch of glute ham raises bunch of Nordic curls, hamstring curls, and a bunch of crock rows, not having deadlifted at all. And when I went back and my back was better and I did a deadlift cycle, 
six months of not touching a bar, I PR by almost 100 pounds. And so it's a good example and a good lesson in the fact of you can be getting stronger in all of the areas that you are weak and improve a lift having never done the lift. And so there's two types of strength. There's real strength. And I always try to tell this to people, strong is strong, right? Like if you're getting stronger, you're getting stronger. And whether or not you think it's getting stronger where you want to get stronger or not, strong is strong. And so if you're getting stronger, then that is the development of strength. That's the development of muscle and and like you're actually tangibly getting more well-roundedly strong. So that's going to apply itself in something like a max weight sled push or, you know, like actually like if you're doing combat sports like martial arts, your ability to move another human being, like that's more real world strength. Okay, so that's strong is strong. You guys probably know somebody who's like maybe an offensive lineman or a farm boy or something and they were just like freakishly farm strong. And then there's specific strength. So there's being able to apply the strength that you have to a specific movement pattern. The more complicated the movement pattern is, the more time that takes to wrap your brain around it. And so this is more of your central nervous system and your mind muscle connection. So this is more being able to apply it specifically. So you might have the strongest man in the world probably can't throw a baseball 100 miles an hour. And I would guess that Aroldis Chapman, who's I think the fastest throwing pitcher of all time, for those of you guys who don't know him, probably can't deadlift even one-tenth of what the strongest man in the world is. And so what Aroldis Chapman has is specific strength. He has got his brain and his muscle tissues and everything in his body, they have totally figured out and organized exactly how to maximize throwing a baseball better than anybody in history. So he can throw that exact weight projectile in the exact right way and accurately throw, I think, 107 is his fastest pitch, okay, which is insane. But that has nothing to do with strength necessarily, okay? Is he strong? Like, yeah, you have to say he's strong because you can't can't be weak and do that. But he also isn't strong like the strongest man in the world is strong. The strongest man in the world is strong in the way of like, He just like, it's like, hey, lift that car up or lift that gigantic keg over your head or throw this human being over there, like over this fence. Like that's, that's just like general strength. And so those two specific things have to play in with each other is we can't focus so much on specific strength that we completely neglect raw strength. And so I'm sure Roldis Chapman lifts some weights. I'm sure he does a lot of band work and he does a lot of things to make sure that his shoulders and his upper back and his elbows are strong and healthy. So he's doing a lot of physical therapy work in the offseason. He's get, making his hips and his core stronger to actually be able to apply the sheer force onto that baseball and maximize it. So he has to get regularly strong. Just like if the strongest man in the world wanted to work on throwing a baseball, he would have to start working on the specific strength of throwing mechanics and throwing a baseball properly. So the same is true when it comes to something like a squat clean is a lot of people. And I've seen this much more. I'm going to just blanketly say this is much more true with women than it is with men in my career here is we've had a lot of women compete on the national stage, national Olympic weightlifting stages. And even people who learned Olympic weightlifting basics and mechanics continue to excel on national and some even international stages uh, after leaving friendship and being around our community for the, for so many years. 
And what you find is a lot of times most women can actually get the specific strength around like snatching and cleaning down so well, like they're good enough at wrapping their head around the specific strength and the mechanics of everything that the limiting factor becomes raw strength. The limiting factor becomes that like real, you know, raw, actual, like strong man style strength. That's where they're lacking. Whereas for men, a lot of times they're typically pretty good at the real raw, you know, just natural strength, but they need to work more on the mechanics. They need to work more on the actually getting their head around proper movement patterns. So it's funny how things work out that way. But when we start thinking about varying movement patterns and planes and varying up our training to build consistency, we want both, right? So we want the specific strength of working on a specific skill. Let's take something like a clean is probably my favorite, right? Or a pull-up. We want to work on the specific strength of that movement pattern. And then we want to use that training, that practice to define where our general strength weaknesses, where our real raw weaknesses And then we want to add in exercises or we want to do other days and other exercises to build up those other weaknesses, build up that raw strongman style strength so that we're strong, we're stronger, we're more formidable people. We have more muscle mass, we have more stability, we have better joints, better ligament, better tensile strength, all those things. So we're just stronger and then we want to bring it back to that movement pattern. And so that's sort of a a different way that you can vary up a little bit of your programming. Now, again, we do this for you at Friendship Brother. When we define these programs, we add in some are going to be real low rep and really defined on maximizing something like we just did this with 531. You are actively trying to get better at the skill of back squatting. You're trying to get raw strength better at that specific item over an eight or a 12 week period. And then you're going to see the cycles will switch and they'll go to much higher rep. They'll go to a little bit more uh, accessory and more variety of movements. And we're going to start to build up the weaknesses and the holes that we found in most of our people when they were back squatting. And so that's how you vary up your movement patterns, your planes of movement, and you vary up the different styles and cycles of kind of loading and overloading, which will shift us into our last piece for today which is thinking about how we overload and deload the body. And so I've done a lot of different stuff talking about deload, but we obviously have to load the body in order to earn our deload. So we have to make sure that we're showing up consistently enough and we're putting in stress on the body to earn that deload. And so I highly recommend you guys look at those uh, podcasts or read those articles talking about what a deload is, why we need to deload, when we need to deload, and uh, just kind of play in on your strength a little bit for that. So we're getting up towards the end of where I like to do these podcasts, about 45 minutes, about as long as I like to go. Uh, I think this is the main piece for beginner exercise, right? Is all the things that we talked about today are how we can maximize consistency. So there's all sorts of options here. And anything that we talked about today, all of it can be manipulated, changed, or tra- you know uh, adjusted with a coach to ensure that you continue to exercise. And so the last thing here, and I've found this recently more than I have in the past, is I've noticed a lot of people this year are trying to, you know, make up for vacations and all that stuff, which is great, which is fine. But what we have to think about is if every time that we take a vacation or we take a week off or we go out of town or we have a minor setback with an injury, if every time if we can sit back and look at our week or our year, let's say, and we look at it as how many weeks did we miss out on good, hard, consistent, loaded training? Well, if you can look at that and say that you missed, you know, 
three weeks for vacation or four weeks for a vacation. And then you missed one or two weeks due to injury. And then you maybe missed one week due to, you know, you need a deload or you're stressed out or work was crazy. Something happened with your family, whatever it was. Well, now you're looking at, you missed two months of training, two months of time where you needed to be loading your body. Now, if your stuff that we talked about before this, so if you're eating your hydration, your sleep, and all those things were perfectly dialed in while you missed those two months of training, you're not going to see a major drop off. But if when you stopped exercising or when you took those weeks off, you also drank a little more, slept a little less, ate a little worse, and didn't hydrate properly, and you were stressed, well, those two months are enough in and of themselves to counteract the entire progress of everything else that you did in those other 10 months. And that's a really hard pill for people to swallow. And I don't I try I don't try to bullshit anybody when they come into the facility, when they're coming in and working. I like them to know this up front and ahead of time. That if one of the things that you're thinking about is when I go out of town or when I take vacations and I do this, that I just don't exercise and I don't worry about what I'm going to be eating and I don't worry about this. It's like, that's fine. If that's the way you want to go about it, that's absolutely fine. But just don't expect great results. You can't take one sixth of your time off every year and not focus on improving or not keep some of your consistency going and expect to see monumental, world-changing, astounding results. And it doesn't matter. You can't outwork that the other 10 months. And so when you guys are thinking about this, think back to the original goal of what we talked about, consistency above all else. It doesn't matter. If you're on vacation and you think in your head, like, I'm just not going to exercise, it doesn't need to be a lot. Just go out for a jog on the beach in the morning, hit a couple air squats, drop into a local gym, meet some people, ask them. Like my favorite thing to do is always to drop into a gym, talk to some of the people before and after the workout, talk to the coaches and get a great local place that they love to go. Where do you guys like to eat? What's the best breakfast place? Where should I go? If we want to go out tonight, where should we go? Pick their brains for it. Meet them. Sometimes you'll even get some people that'll be like, hey, like we'd love to meet you out there and you can get to know somebody. And then every time you go back down there, you can have this great acquaintance. Some really cool stuff out there that you guys can get into with that. But again, if we think back to the goal is consistency above all else. Think about every time you're on vacation when I drop in, it's just red light days. The weight is lighter. The movements are easier. I don't do a lot of complex movements. When I go out on vacation, I'm not doing, you know, squat snatches, handstand pushups and muscle ups. I'm doing like light power cleans, air squats, and pushups. That's like my go-to travel workout. Or walking, running on the beach, hitting some air squats, maybe playing around with handstands with Maria if we feel like it. So when you guys are thinking about this stuff, like this is these are the things I want you to take away. When we talk about beginner exercise, like that's kind of what I label this. It's just beginner exercise. What is beginner exercise? Beginner exercise, when I think about it, is when you look at your year at the end of your first year of really focusing on exercise, you should have been doing something, moving with some degree of intention almost every day. It doesn't matter if that's an exercise. It doesn't matter if that's going into the gym. That could just be, hey, I spent 15 minutes working on my air squat tonight at home. That could be, hey, I just focused on, you know, I went out for a walk for 15 or 20 minutes with my dog, and then I sat in a plank for five minutes. Does, don't overcomplicate it. 
the fact that you're doing something, the fact that you're doing that consistently and aim for that sort of 365 mentality where you just have a little bit of focus, a little bit of brain power concerted towards moving and exercising and moving well and building that high quality movement every day. That stuff is key. And if you can do that consistently over time, then every year that goes by, you get to pay a little bit less attention to it, right? It becomes more habitual, becomes more a part of who you are, becomes more second nature. And so then eventually you get 10, 15 years down the line and you can intuitively tell in two seconds, boom, it's a red light day for me. That means I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. That means I'm going to wake up. I'm going to focus on sleep tonight. I'm going to wake up tomorrow feeling great. And there's just no stress behind anything anymore. And that's what I want for everybody. That's what I want for all you guys. So take this on. We'll start talking about more advanced exercise stuff next week. We got a little advanced with some of the stuff today. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you guys did, drop a like or a comment. Let me know and uh, shoot me a message. So thanks, guys. See you.